0: Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empowering a community through the mission in their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal-turned-author-and-entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome, listeners, to our series on New Beginnings. Have you ever been asked to share a story and, through its retelling, realize anew the lessons you gained from the experiences? As we hear today's guest, it is impossible not to see how the path aligned during all the hard spots to bring her to each new step forward. You will be inspired to hear the revelations that come through all those middle spaces after some intense new beginnings from our guest. Teresa Stager is in her sixth year of administration and her third as an assistant principal at Celine High School in Celine, Michigan, where she lives with her husband and two children. Teresa believes that as long as you are making the decisions that are best for kids, you can't go wrong. She has a bachelor's in music education, a master's in public administration, and is currently a doctoral student at Arizona State University in innovation and leadership. Teresa has presented and keynoted at many state and national music, administration, and technology conferences in her career and has been featured in many podcast articles and books. She co-founded the Principal PLN Podcast and is a co-author of Breaking Out of Isolation, Becoming a Connected School Leader, published by Corwin Press in 2015. In today's episode, we learn about Teresa's new beginnings, both in her personal and professional life, including how she went from losing her dream job as a music teacher from devastating budget cuts into a whole new field, only to be mentored by a former principal. Teresa's story teaches us how we too can take the lessons from a new beginning, embrace the experience, and forge forth into our power. I am honored to amplify Teresa Stagger's incredible story for you today. Welcome Teresa to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on the in podcast featuring a new beginning, been connected with Teresa for a little while and know some things about her, but I'm super excited because the listeners are going to hear some more specifics today that maybe you hadn't known about the personal side of Teresa as well as some professionals. So let's get started. Teresa, what is your current context? I
1: am currently a high school assistant principal in Saline, Michigan, which is just outside of Ann Arbor. Uh, we border them right to the south. This is my third year as an assistant principal there. I was previously a pre-K through eight Catholic school principal uh, for three years. So this is now my sixth year in administration. That's quite the
0: leap from (laughs) a Catholic school principal at the um, primary and middle ages to an assistant principal at the high school level. (laughs) It's a big one, yeah. (laughs) It's It's a big one. It's a new beginning, absolutely. (laughs) What do you think has been one of the biggest learning curves of moving from you're the primary principal to an assistant and then the different age levels.
1: I was a music educator and I taught in at the same time first thing in the morning I taught high school choir and then I drove from the high school to the elementary school and I taught k-5 through music mm-hmm. so I've always done like the kind of the extremes I had the elementary and I had the high school and I loved them both for different reasons and I really loved that I had them both in the same day <laughs> that was really uh, a fun a fun job going to the, the Catholic school was probably the biggest learning curve because I didn't go to a Catholic, so I'm Catholic, but I, I didn't go to a Catholic school and the middle school was a completely new thing for me. There are so many different beasts to all of it. You know, you go from, from kindergarteners, you know, and those, the struggles you have when, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting on the bus or they can't get along on the playground to, all that goes with high school, the positives way outweigh the differences. And I think every difference I've gone to with the age range, at least, or that I've come to has been really exciting um, because I love, I love the high school age student and being able to really connect with those kids. But professionally as, you know, going from the only person in a building to a team of five uh, is very, and not Obviously not being the person in charge on that team is a very different beast, but I don't know that I would have succeeded or excelled in making the jump from a, a principal of a Catholic school to the principal of the public school I don't want to say a linear role because I feel I, I don't feel like this is a step back I think that this was definitely the way to do it I needed to I needed to be comfortable with the district I needed to understand how things worked there and I think being an assistant principal has given me a a much bigger chance for success moving forward than it would have had I gone in, you know, in a building by myself, not knowing the district very well.
0: Really cool that you talk about the fact that make the distinction between linear and stepping back. And I have just had the fortune to be connected with some incredible assistant principals who are insanely strong instructional leaders and powerful leaders. I know that you're one of those. So (laughs) you bring a lot to the table for the St. Lane School District. Oh, thank you. I just think it's really neat because I'm involved in a group that of women in secondary education and we've just recently had this conversation about people having this perception that being an assistant principal is a step down in I don't know esteem or whatever but my goodness it absolutely is not it's a whole different role and
1: I I really love it <laughs> to be honest I'm coming from being the person who was in charge of everything and and was you know the only person who could handle any of it. It's been really nice to have a competent team moving in the same area. And actually just talking to somebody last night who was struggling with, um, with working as a team. And that was her, her main thing. And she said, I just don't, I don't know how to do it right now. And I said, it's, it's you don't walk into a perfect team. That's not how it goes. You have to have these, these growing pains, right? It's like getting married. Right? Like, like you're with these people all day long and, and You have to figure out what everybody's strengths and weaknesses are and how you work together before you can really have a great team. But our superintendent has done a phenomenal job of placing Placing people and creating these teams where we all help each other shine. I've done so much more here as an assistant principal than I would have ever had the opportunity to do in a smaller building. I yeah, it's a it's a different job, and I think that's what you have to look. I don't know that a, that assistant is the right word for it anymore because I don't feel like. I feel like we have our own roles within the building, but it's not necessarily an assistant to the principal anymore. So,
0: but that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. Thank you for sharing that experience because some of our listeners are going to be able to relate to this brand new role in a brand new location. And some are going to be uh, in a situation where they've only ever been in one district or one job or one role. So it's really nice to hear from the experience of people who are kind of going through those new beginnings. Yeah. So I wanted to get to the meat of some really cool parts about you, Teresa, because I've been able to learn just recently about some of your history in regard to your personal life and some of the things you've had to strive through to show that we all can grow through new beginnings. So would you be willing to share a little bit about your experiences as a wife and then some new beginnings associated with that? A lot of people
1: don't. Um, either don't believe it when they hear it or when I say it but I'm a huge introvert I, I struggle with social anxiety a lot of it um, is a huge struggle of mine and um, I've done a lot of things to try to overcome that like that that was originally why I started speaking at conferences even standing in front of you know high schoolers when I was teaching was a huge struggle for me it's a part of who I am so that being said um, I've always really, in, it engrossed myself, engulfed myself in everything that I was a part of. And, and that, you know, that was from when I was, when I was in high school, you know, everything I had was, you know, school spirit and I was going to Michigan state and I didn't go to Michigan state, but I thought I was going to Michigan state and everything I had was green and white. And that was just kind of who I was. And when I was in college, I met my husband, my first husband, and he uh, was in the military. And that was a whole... Kind of new world for me. Even though we lived um, growing up, my parents still live in the same place. I was, you know, the same house I was born, and we live about six miles from Selfridge Air National Guard Base in Michigan. Uh, It's in Harrison Township, and I believe they were the only base in the U.S. that had all five military installments there. It was a, it was a big base, and uh, we got married in July of two thousand one. Um, I was just barely 21. Then September 2001 came, <laughs> and uh, 9/11 happened. Kind of changed everything for us. I mean, it changed everything for everybody. But my husband at the time was it was called it was called the active reserve. So he was stationed at Selfridge, but wasn't going anywhere. We knew that he would go to work every day at Selfridge and then he would do that until he was done. And he was supposed to be out in December of 2002. September 11th happened and um, and he was called to go to uh, North Carolina. And so he took over at North Carolina for the Marines who had to go overseas. And that changed a lot of kind of who, who we were and who I was, because it'd gone from, you know, being a wife in my third year of college and knowing that I would, you know, finish school and be an educator to now having to kind of do it alone. And this whole idea of the anxiety of not knowing what's happening and what's coming next. And that was something I really, truly struggled with for a very long time. Um, and I still do not, you know, in that case, but in this one. And so, um, He came back from North Carolina six months later. Was sent over to Afghanistan, and so uh, while he was gone, I bought our first house, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we. um, I got my first job. I got a phone call for an interview, and I was really excited for this great job. And I remember them calling and saying, "You know, like we're going to need you to. um, We need you to let us know." uh, as soon as you can. And I said, well, I need to talk to my husband, but he, I can't get, I can't get hold of him right now. And I remember them saying to me when the human resources office called, they said, well, we're hiring for two positions and we want you to be first on the seniority list or last hired was first fired. So that comes in later. (laughs) Like that'll be important moving forward. But, um, I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. I took the job and, and, you know, we kind of did that. That was a huge part of who I was. And then as I was teaching and we had two kids and we'd been married for about, I don't know, eight and a half, nine years, um, things started kind of falling apart and I, you know, don't need to go into specifics, but I was almost 30 with, (laughs) with a four, four week old and a one and a half year old, um, teaching every day. And, um, that was a whole new beast then because you know you I was used to being by myself but I wasn't used to being by myself and having to be the only one who could do things you know mm-hmm. with two children that that you know I could mow the lawn I could change my oil you know I, I was able to do all of those things as a as a wife earlier but then having to do them all as a teacher, tough. And so I came back from maternity leave with my second child, my first son. It was really hard because it kind of shattered who I thought I was. And so then I, you know, I jumped into being mom and, and being the music teacher and, and loving that. I loved my job. I loved, I went to, I went to work every day, absolutely loving my job. About a year and a half after that, I met this wonderful man <laughs> who I'm currently married to. Um, and he uh, was honestly sent from heaven. There's no, this man is a saint. And I know people say that, but it's really true. (laughs) He is amazing. And I met him uh, in February. We had gotten engaged and then uh, I lost my job. Four music teachers... Who had been hired after me, seniority wise, and I had been there eight years at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, the, you know, the the economy was really bad in Michigan at that time. It was bad everywhere, but we really got hit with the auto companies and and all of that. And um, our district had held on as long as they possibly could to keep everybody's jobs. And so they went into this two year um, kind of a saving thing where they, they tried to do as much as they could for as long as they could. And then they just had to cut and they cut everything. Um, and so I was the highest person on the seniority list to be cut, but I didn't know. And we had, because I had moved, um, I had changed my address. Mm. And so my mail was being, was delayed a couple days. And so I was seeing on Facebook, all of my coworkers who were getting laid off. And I was like, this is horrible. What are we going to do? Like, we're going to have all this. We're gonna, what are we going to do with four less people? You know?" And then, and then I, I just had a bad feeling and I sent my principal a message and I said, is there anything that I need to know? And she said, I can't have this conversation with you. And I was like, Oh no. And I got a call uh, the next day from human resources and um, she said, I, I understand you didn't get your letter. <laughs> I said, what letter? <laughs> oh, and then goodness. I started crying and she started crying. So then it was July and it was, it, I mean, it was, you know, it, <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday. It was, my son was sleeping and my daughter was in her playpen, and I was sitting in the living room and I was just looking at her and I was sobbing because I loved this job. And I had always wanted to be an administrator, but I wasn't ready yet. Hmm. Um, And I knew that if I, if I was going to leave the classroom, I needed to be ready to leave the classroom. I had all this guilt because I felt like, you know, I didn't get to tell the kids that I wasn't going to be there anymore. And I didn't get to say goodbye. And, you know, it was, it was just, I'm like, I'm ready to cry even just thinking about it again. It was, it was horrible. And my now husband and I went in and packed up my classroom and the custodian came in and helped me and we just cried for hours. It was, it was horrible. But I remember the day that I got the day that I, I got that phone call and I had sent a la- I sent a text um, to one of my friends and I said, I just got laid off <laughs> and she said, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I, I don't know. I said, I literally just found out and she knew I wasn't expecting it because I had been telling her about all these other people you know, having these struggles. She said, well, are you going to find another teaching job? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I literally don't know. I said, if I've gotten, I said, I know that there are four other amazing music educators who just got laid off too. Like, where am I going to find a job? It's July. And she said, well, do you need a job? She said, my boss, literally, as you sent me that text message, walked into the cubicle and said, we are busting at the seams. We need somebody. Do you know anyone who needs a job? And she was like, I actually do. (laughs) I just went in and spoke with this man who was so, so nice. And he had actually been um, a principal in Detroit for years now own, uh, who owned a new, a payrolling company that he had started. It was not in education. It was not in any sort of education, (laughs) but he liked to hire educators because he felt that they could learn anything. And knew how to work with people. So I got a job as a a human resources administrative assistant. I remember he said, I'll give you the job. He said, but I need you to understand that I can't pay you what you were making before. And I said, well, I'm not making anything right now. So anything is better than that. But I took a $40,000 pay cut in this job. And, and it, I would, I would do it again, but it was like a kick in the gut when I realized that all of the work and all of the education I had, I had already finished my master. All of my experience didn't mean anything what I thought Mm -hmm. um, outside of education. And that really hurt because I thought, you know, I worked so hard in that job. It ended up being everything that I needed. And, and the job was too. this new, you know, I got in there and I started the job on a Monday and I got married on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so uh, I remember going in and filling out all my pre-hire paperwork. And I'm like, should I fill everything out in my new name or my former name? And then I walked in and they told me I had to do my signature because I had to take a picture of my signature so that they could put it in my email. Name. I hadn't practiced my new name yet. So I'm like, I don't even know how to sign it. <laughs> it was, it the whole thing was surreal. So I started on Monday. I got married on Saturday, went back in, had this new job in this completely new field that I'm so Grateful that I had. And then, and I thought that was where I, I thought I was going to be in business the rest of my life because I thought
0: I would never get back in education. Really golden details of your story because <laughs> there's a lot there. And sometimes being it out loud again, we're going, wow, that's crazy. This aligned. And I've just been so fortunate to collect people's stories, not only in this phase, but absolutely from this podcast. I keep hearing this really beautiful trend from these incredible women that sometimes we're forced into new beginnings. You know, sometimes we choose them. They come upon us based upon our actions or whatever that happens to be, but all of a sudden, you find yourself in this time frame of life where you're a new beginning both in a personal life and a professional life. And sometimes I wonder about that trend is that's given to us so that we can not really hit the reset button, but maybe more of a like refine button. There were, you know, there were habits, there were things, there were pieces of you. I mean, you spoke of basically without saying it, being out of balance. You know, when we get into the roles of our lives, I've, I've spoken to this before, considering how when we layer on blessings. Blessings. You know, you, you became a mom. It really throws us off. Right. <laughs> you know, because we get into a pattern and you've professed that you're an introvert. I'm assuming that you kind of have like a type A personality or you like to plan and have things in order. even Yeah. Though of mind. Really cool um, to see that kind of come together, that it's clearly something that needed to happen in your life to help you kind of reset and reshuffle the deck, uh, because then you were going to be able to come into your power, it sounds like. It, it's true.
1: And and I think, um, I think there's something really powerful with that every time in my life that I've kind of felt like, okay, I got this now. You know, like, I'm on the right path. I get this kind of knock that okay, you know what, pull it back. You are not in control here. And I think it's really important to remember that, that, you know what, we are not in control of this. Like there is a higher power, whatever you believe you have to trust. And I didn't understand any of this when I was going through it. I knew that there was a plan. I didn't understand it, but I knew it was there. And now looking back, and I know this is not the end of my Road by any means. You know, I'm 38 years old. I know that this is not where any of this ends. But I do know looking back that all of it happened for exactly the reason it was supposed to. And I know that the job that I have now, which is the place I have always wanted to be, this is not the end, my end goal, role wise, where I want to be. But it's in the place that I wanted to be. I know that every single piece of who I was and what I've done um, is because of every single thing I went through, every bit of it. I can't I can't take anything, you know, you always, you, people
0: ask you what you could go back and change. I wouldn't change any of it, nothing. And it's really important for the listeners. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, when you go through trials, you become forged through that fire and right. really critical that any listeners right now, if you're in the trials to remember that you, it will be used at some point, you know, oh, my, yes. right now it's so hard because I'm picturing you as this young, you know, military wife that's learning to be incredibly <laughs> independent. I, you know, it's really beautiful. Marriage is a is a beautiful thing. But since this is a podcast amplifying women, I think, because you even referenced, you know, having to learn in this patriarchal society to learn how to re-sign uh, your name. And yeah. it's something that women can really relate to. And I think about that really trying to walk that fine line of being an independent, strong woman, but also being in a partnership in a marriage, but knowing that when you're a working uh, woman, a mom, a homeowner, like you said, you bought the homeowner's card and you're trying to mow the lawn and do all these things. It's a really fine line between doing it all alone and leaning in on others. And when I think about, you know, we kind of broke up at your story there where you were in business um, and for our timeline, I'm thinking to leap forward a little bit. It seems to me, and I hope I'm not making an assumption too far here. But you went from teaching. It's such a huge leap, ladies and gentlemen, listening to go from a classroom to behind the desk. There's nothing more challenging than those first learning curve months where you just don't know it until you know it. But I'm assuming then your experience working with that former educator probably mentored you a lot, which is really cool to hear. And then noting that the business aspect of it probably helped you get ready. Did you go back into the classroom after that before you went into administration or did you jump right in? You know, I didn't. And, um, and it was kind of odd the way that it happened.
1: I had been I had been at the payrolling um, company for almost three years and I had gone from human resources, administrative assistant to a project manager, which I didn't know how to do, (laughs) but thank God, you know, he, they, you know, they let me learn. The thing that I loved about that company was that he put all of his work into growing his employees. Mm. and. I thought that that was so important. He really wanted us all to learn and grow and do what we wanted to do. And so I ended up being an implementation director um, and I got to travel to so many different places um, and work with these amazing people in this role where, you know, I got to, I got to help kind of roll things out. And that, that helped me bridge my, my lack of being in the classroom. My husband now, you know, he really helped me and, and was very patient during that time because I I didn't know why I wasn't feeling like I was who I was. I, I couldn't put it into words. I didn't understand it, but I knew that something was wrong. And he let me, he let me try everything <laughs> that I wanted to do um, to try to bridge that. And He was so, I mean, so phenomenal in that. But I ended up, oddly enough, um, I got a call one day from someone I had gone to grad school with. And to kind of put into perspective for you, when I left the classroom, I really thought I was done in education because I didn't think I had never lived through a recession like this. So I didn't understand completely that it would come back. But I knew I always knew as a music teacher that if I had ever left the classroom for whatever reason, I likely wouldn't be able to get back because music programs are always being cut. Um, Mm. It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate, but I, I mean, it's being realistic. I knew I had to have something else. Um, And so I'd gone back to school for my administrator certificate and my master's in public administration. Um, And I finished that, I think four years after my bachelor. So it had been, I mean, at this point it had been quite some time since I had been in school or in the classroom. And, um, and I got a call from someone I went to my master's with. The master's program I took was not an education master's. It was public administration. So it had business, nonprofit, and education all together. And then it split us at the end for kind of those specific. I met a lot of people who were in very different roles, a lot of law enforcement, a lot of people who worked in public service. So I'd gotten a call from a friend of mine who I had kept in contact a little bit through the years, um, who was a police officer. And he was... He was in one of my cohorts as I was going through my master's and said, "Um, you know, our school is looking for a a new principal um, and I think that you should apply. And I laughed hysterically because I was like, I haven't been in a school in three years. And you know how how fast things change in education? It scared the daylights out of me. I thought, and I didn't keep up with it because I was so busy trying to immerse myself into this new business life you know, I didn't know what was going on in education. And I said, I don't know. I can't do this. And he said, please just think about it. Think about it. Pray about it. It's this little Catholic school. I think you'd be perfect. Just think about it. And in my head, I'm like, we need to move. I need my administrator certificate was expiring in July. This was in like February. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to renew it, which meant classes. You know, I needed to go back to school in four months. Did I want to do that? Did I want to go back into education when I had built this new life and was becoming successful? We talked about it. We prayed about it. And he said, you know, this whole time been working in this job, you've so missed, you know, the people and the kids. He's like, you have to try. Like, you just have to try. If it, you know, if we, we have to move, we have to move. Like, that just is what it is. But, and he said, you just have to try. He's like, you have an in, you've got somebody who's asked you to apply. And the person who asked me to apply was on the, um, he was on the PTO and the hiring committee. So he's like, you know, he knows you just go. Mm -hmm. And I went through this big, this big, long process. And then, um, you know, was told I had the job and I was really excited. And then um, I got a call from the priest who told me that I wasn't going to get the job because I had been divorced and because my annulment wasn't finalized and that the leader of a Catholic school could not be um, someone who wasn't in good standing in the Catholic Church. To put that into perspective for you, I at that time um, was running the teen choir at my church, had been a music minister, the adult music ministry for 15 years at this point. I had played at the Vatican. <laughs> like I, I kind of felt like I was doing something right. Yeah. And, um, and I was told no. And so I said I was in the process. It just wasn't finalized yet. And so I got the job as an interim under the understanding that it, this needed to go through and that if the annulment didn't go through, that I would be relieved of my duties. And I had, uh, luckily, the pastoral associate, in in the the church that I was in, that I had worshipped at, and that I was I was serving at, um, was also the person who was on the committee for annulments in the Archdiocese. So she wrote me a letter um, making it very clear that this would be not an issue and that, you know, it just took a little time and she helped push it through, which was phenomenal. And so both of our annulments, my husband and mine, were finished and we got married, uh, remarried in the Catholic Church and, uh, and it worked out, but been moved everything. I had never lived more than I don't know, 20 minutes from my parents and uh, we had the kids, kids were little and we moved uh, down to Huron township, which was only about an hour from where we were, but I didn't know how to be a principal. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know. And I was scared to death. Um, I renewed my, my certificate uh, with some business classes that I could take in six weeks online and it was enough to get it through. And uh, I reached out to Melinda Miller because when I was, a music teacher was going through school, you know, I was one of the only people in my building doing, I was the only person in my building doing what I did. And so I used Twitter for that um, as a music teacher. And I, I remember listening to Melinda's podcast with Scott Elias, uh, practical principles. And I loved it because it made me feel like, you know, there was someone else who was doing what we were doing, but not didn't, it felt accessible. And I realized because I hadn't kept up on the podcast that they stopped doing it. And I remember when I, I got the job, I immediately went back to the podcasts and I saw the last now, what am I going to do? <laughs> like what, <laughs> This was what I had. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And luckily I had been in contact with Melinda anyway, um, a little bit throughout the years, but, um, I reached out to Melinda and I said, listen, um, I know that you're not doing your podcast anymore, but I I need it. And so, uh, you know, we should do one. I said, but we could make it different. Like you could, you know, I could tell you all the things that I don't know how to do. And then you could tell me how to do them. <laughs> <And> she <laughs> laughed <laughs> in, in the, you know, the way that Melinda can. <laughs> and she, oh, yes. And she said, uh, you're very funny. He said, it's a great idea. She said, but I'm not in a place right now that I can, but I think that you should reach out to Jessica Johnson. Um, because I think that she might be good, um, and might be interested in this. And Jessica was, someone I had on my list too. So I reached out to Jessica and said, um, Hey, (laughs) you've been a principal for a long time and I am a new principal and I need help. And I think that if we recorded, um, our help sessions that, you know, maybe somebody else might be able to find use in it. And, uh, she said, that sounds like fun. We should find a third person. (laughs) And I said, that sounds great. So, I said who do you have in mind and she said I have a couple people let me reach out we'll figure it out and uh Spike was the first one who responded and I'm so glad he did because uh Spike became our third and so we we kind of jumped in and we had these we had this mentoring podcast of I literally I think we may have started it before before I even had kids in my building right. I mean I I think like it was literally from the beginning and at that point it was because i i didn't know what i didn't know i shared everything and going back and listening to it i'm so glad i did because there were so many things i forgot you know and i didn't i didn't remember but reflecting is such a big part of what we do and what we need to do mm-hmm. and when you have a a huge restart like that you know another restart okay. <laughs> you've you've got to find you have to find somebody who has already done it that isn't jaded by it, because I think that that's a big part of what we struggle with as educators and as women, too, because there's a lot comes with any sort of a new beginning. And I think you can become jaded really quickly. And if you don't sit back and take take the lessons from it, it can be really scary and it can be disheartening. And I was so fortunate that I had Jessica and Spike to, to help me and to laugh with me. And sometimes to laugh at me because there were times that I... I remember one where I I called them because we had a fire in the parking lot because a power pole fell and crushed a fence and it electrified the fence and we couldn't get out of the school. I was literally crying as I was telling the story. And then I was just laughing because I realized that like everybody was fine. Everything will be okay. Nobody got hurt. It's funny. (laughs) And looking back at it, listening to it, it was funny and I have done a lot of things in the last six years as, as an administrator that sometimes you just have to laugh at because it's not and as a wife and as a mom because it, it's
0: okay like it's okay it's really yeah. okay I wanted to share with you that for you in your new beginning is just exceptional because it shows that you're a person who really knows that you need to reach out to others as I've listened to your story I keep hearing all these people that have reached in um, and that networked with you and kind of helped you get into the new spaces that you've gotten into. And that's just really beautiful because we can't do this life alone. Um, and Truth. even if we're introverts, as you kind of stated, there's nothing wrong with that. Introversion really means that you have a nice select group of people that you can rely upon really well. and. Right. It doesn't mean that we're isolated and that we don't have connections. But to hear from this, you were able to write a book on breaking out of isolation, which um, and the the podcast that you did, it's instrumental. And just wanted to, to share with you, Teresa, that it just warms my heart to hear your story and to hear you share how struggled you were. And yet, when you all had me on the principal's podcast, I was probably at my most vulnerable, uh, less worthy feeling of my life. And to have you all say, hey, her story matters. Something that she's going to tell us is important. And you did. You helped me laugh through a time when I (laughs) needed it so desperately as a leader. And I had gone through plenty of those uh, parking lot fire situations. And so I just want to thank you because you stepping into a space where these new beginnings meant that you built a community is exceptional. And so thank you for that and your imprint on our you know profession and the service you've given through that work thank you you made me cry (laughs) oh wow okay so we are going to have to, to end our interview today but i just wanted to thank you um teresa i think your story really shows us how we can be propelled into new beginnings we don't have to lament them we can jump in we can learn we can grow and just to be able to look back and see how they all line up is exceptional and so beautiful so thank you for sharing
1: Thank you so much. This is, I so appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's so, so amazing. And it's going to really, it's going to help so many people. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you for helping me with my new beginning by <laughs> on sparing interview today. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the In Awe podcast. I continue to be amazed at the way this community is growing and am incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, subscribes, rates, reviews, and shares episodes. The messages are landing, and it really comes down to you as listeners to make that happen. Thank you for joining the In Awe community and for lifting others through both hearing and sharing their messages.